Welcome to Lateral Conversations. My name is Thomas Mark. This is a podcast about the evolution of consciousness, psyche and culture. I speak here with people who have something important to contribute to the development of spirit and society. My guests are therefore artists, philosophers, academics or activists, people not only with great ideas, but also the willingness to put them into the world. By doing so, I hope to contribute to the evolution by finding and exploring ideas and finally providing them to you. There's nothing more powerful, Victor Hugo once said, than an idea whose time has come. And if such a time for an idea has come, we can only find out by talking about them. My guest today is Dennis Wittrock. Dennis studied philosophy and anglistic in Bremen, Germany. He was instrumental in creating the integral community in Germany and also the integral European conference, uh, which is held in Budapest now every two years. Now he has made it his goal to bring holacracy to the world. That is that kind of organizatorial thinking and structuring which was devised by Brian Robertson. Um, so I haven't read uh, any of those books except a couple of articles. And so I found it very interesting to talk to Dennis about holacracy and what it means and uh, what, is, what its potentials are. I hope you will enjoy and benefit from this conversation. Yeah, that's that's me. My name is Thomas Mark. I wish you a good day and good luck. Dennis, thank you very hey. much for joining me uh, at this hour to this podcast. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Two German dudes trying to get along in English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's no, it's, it's so cool. We know, uh, we know each other for a couple of years now. You were, before you were kind of involved in the integral field with the integral European conference. And now you're, you're um, in my half knowledge, I would say you're an advisor for holacracy now. That is, is um, I think there's a better term for it. And I think you will elaborate. It's called, it's called coach. <laughs> it's called coach, right. No, no. Um, um, and I think you will elaborate on that a little bit more. So I, I think holacracy um, is, a, is a fairly new organizational technique so far as I understand, so, um, which works um, to transcend, so to speak, traditional ways, ways of dealing with organizational structures. So, and I was wondering if you could enlighten me and give me your in-depth perspective on how a holacracy works and what that is and um, yeah, um, what we can do with that. Yeah, so what is it? Basically, um, it is a um, wholesale replacement of the traditional management hierarchy. Um, it is a different way of getting the work done and it's um, a way of getting the work done which uh, distributes authority across uh, um, the whole organization um, in a fractal way. 
And that's a mouthful, <laughs> but what it means is essentially that uh, it's a form of self-organization. And self-organization itself is not that new. It's been around for a while. So, um, for example, uh, Morningstar and uh, Favi and there's there, uh, Gore. There, there are many examples of companies that have been managed successfully in a self-organized or self-managed way. And many of these examples have been documented by Frederick Laloux in his wonderful book, Reinventing Organizations. And uh, so, uh, I, I have to, um, yeah. this book also, just to, to clarify that because of my ignorance, I haven't read that book either. So you haven't. No, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, no, no, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's one of those books I still have to read. But uh, yeah. So no, but Laloux's book is basically also about holacracy or just self-organizing, like uh, uh, self-organizing companies in general? Well, um, what Lalu did is actually looking at the whole field of uh, organizations and documenting what has already been done uh, and using some of the theoretical lenses of integral theory, um, mainly the stages model, uh, but also the, the quadrants, to look at how these organizations express different qualities at different um, altitudes um, of awareness and values. And um, so hence the term teal, teal organizations, which is his, um, well, the color code of, of Wilbur for, for a certain level of consciousness development, which is integral, integral uh, or post postmodern or metamodern or whatever you want to call it, um, which uh, uh, is a step beyond um, this kind of progressive organizations, which, well, um, Lalu has different metaphors for these different levels of organization. So at each of these levels, a different, there's a different metaphor for the organization. At um, very early stages, it's um, in red, it's like the wolf pack. And then there, there's the army at amber or blue, whatever you want to call it. Um, so the very traditional, rigid organization. Then um, the metaphor at the industrial uh, uh in the modern age for the industrial um, organization is the factory or what? Um, the machine. So, uh, and uh, for the move beyond that from the, from the green, uh, by the green um, altitude or, or post modern consciousness, um, that would be the family. So we're, we're no longer. Because we're nobody's of, working. <laughs> because no, because we we're, we're kind of we're, we're very inclusive and we want to make sure you feel good and you feel heard and seen and all that, which is great. Um, but of course, it has it comes with some pitfalls because it's not always clear who decides what, and uh, in the end, um, politics sneaks in through the back door and so on. So, and uh, that is kind of and this uh, the the term I, I like that um, Brian. Robertson called the tyranny of consensus. Um, so uh, you end up with unclear authorities. So you end up CCing everybody on emails and try to, to try to get things done. You don't want to. You want to make sure everybody is in the loop, so to speak, because it's unclear who who makes the decision. 
Brian Robertson uh, would be the guy who was the founder of originator of Holacracy. Yes, he's he's uh, the key pioneer of Holacracy. He uh, pioneered that uh, in his um, software company, Ternary Software, uh, after um, having well suffered on the side of being an employee and and decided, well, I can do better. And then he he created his own company partly with the um with the idea that he will be a better boss or find a better structure and then um well in the end it turned out that um it's not easy being being a boss <laughs> and um and he would end up making similar uh mistakes um that he kind of criticized his former bosses for so he set out to uh find a better way And that better way eventually crystallized after a lot of um, experimentation. And he, uh, he, well, he tried out tons of stuff and, and used existing piece, bits and pieces from all kinds of practices and found uh, in his new method, which he called holacracy. And the term uh, is derived, it's, it's an artificial term, but um, kind of... Uh, uh, consists of holarchy so which refers to the hierarchy of holons as um, Atu Kessler described it um, which is a hierarchy of wholeness so like atoms molecules cells and um, all that stuff we know that uh, those dualists among you will know the term um, and so the holarchy is um, is transcending and including its parts like uh, atoms molecules cells Each, each of them is self-organized, but is um, also transcended and included in a higher uh, so makeup. So let, let me just like um, ask right here, because the second time you, you mentioned this term self-organization. So yep. I think I know, um, I, I have a conception of that, but, but how, how, would your, how would you define self-organization? Because it's a heavy term, like with lots of history and lots of connotations, mm. so like what what is organization well self organization uh, in my understanding and a, apart from uh, holacracy is a is a basic feature of the cosmos right so um organisms or animals or plants or whatever all these entities self organized spontaneously even you know down to chemical processes um that you can like pregene found in uh, in chemistry that uh you know, certain processes already show signs down there, so to speak, show signs of uh, self-organization. And, uh, or if you look at like the water flowing in your bathtub, it kind of, at some point it's it, uh, down the drain, uh, it, it it creates a self-organizing pattern of a pattern of a, of a swirl downwards, like a, like a vortex. Right. right. So that also is self-organization or look at galaxies, uh, you know, the, 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 It's all, it's kind of woven throughout the whole cos cosmos, you would, you would say. So I think the, 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 the one, one simple definition is a process which, um, which creates the elements which uh, are necessary to produce the process in the first place. So you have like A creates B, creates C, creates A, you know, so we have... Uh -huh. So a loop or... Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so basically uh, it means that um, these holons or um, whole parts, whatever you want to call them, um, have a tendency to self-organize at their level of complexity. 
And um, if you look at um, if you look at if you look at traffic patterns, um, you uh, rarely somebody uh, stops and thinks, okay, now where is the kind of the the chief of traffic, CEO of traffic of this city, where does he have his office? Well, there is none and uh, we don't need it because there's something else in place that enables self-organization. And in the case of traffic patterns, it's um, simple rules, basic rules, um, like the traffic rules and structures like roads and, and, and habits uh, that um, habitually express those patterns. And then you have the intentions of individual agents that ex, uh, kind of uh, come together in a, in a complex way which, uh, in which an emerging pattern uh, manifests. And that is, well, that's self-organization right there. And um, that's pretty efficient. And that's, that's a very efficient way of organizing that nature itself. Uh, and, you know, if, if you look at traffic, that's an extension of nature, if you want. Um, uh, how how nature organizes itself. So, the the idea was to uh, apply that to um, organizations as well, and um, mainly in when looking at the structure. But self management or self organization has been was the basically in in the context of work was the idea that um, we need to do away with the um, uh, the kind of micromanagement that. Um, the typical um, boss or or um, yeah leader would uh, would exert and and you know control uh, his employees at every step and you know tell them what to do and right. which has a lot of downsides obviously because of course the the boss doesn't always know best because the the the, the person on the front line knows what the customer wants and and has all the context details and and knows his job better than the person that is bossing them around so it's this very stupid idea and uh to 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 have uh yeah to well to put to assume that uh, the the worker which you hired can do his job basically right. <laughs> in this sense so you, there's also you know maybe you've heard of um mcgregor's theory x versus theory y if you haven't well the short version is um theory x says um says if i'm not mistaken so theory x claims that um, the the worker is lazy, cannot be trusted, and uh, he's not self motivated, etc. But has to be, you know, incentivized and kind of, um, you know, pushed around to 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 do his work. Whereas the other assumption is uh, theory Y would be uh, no, actually they're self motivated. Uh, they want to do a good job. They want to. Uh, they 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 love um, growing. They 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 like to take over um uh, responsibility right so, I know, and then I know. the question arises which is right and i know well, i know this discussion um in relation to universal basic income because you have exactly those two parties uh -huh. uh, who who fighting against this who, who well and you know who's right the funny thing is both are right <laughs> because <laughs> The uh, the observer is not um, out of the picture. So the assumptions you carry into uh, your organization, um, the, the the actions to begin with, 
So if you set up a company like that, you don't trust people. Well, then they display behavior to, to, to live up to that expectation. Whereas if you, you trust them genuinely and, you know, really, you know, even, and there may be discretions at uh, transgressions at some point. Um, but if you even then say, yeah, that, that may be so, but uh, still uh, it's better by and large, we will deal with, the, with these exceptions, but it's better by and large to trust you and not punish everybody for, for one person's mistakes by setting up like tight control and you know, everybody has to clock in and everybody, you know, blah, blah. So all this, all this red tape is not needed. And if you, if you treat people like that, they will, they will really uh, uh, be grateful and, 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 and just demonstrate to you that you are right because you so, see a higher potential in them. Exactly. So now let me, let me bring this together, what, what we have right now. So we have like the traditional uh, business model, which worked kind of fine for a couple of, of decades and maybe centuries, but like every model and every structure um, develop some problems, so so to speak. And, well, and, I, would, mm -hmm. and I would say, like um, with with the advent of of postmodernity and psychology and the inner awareness of people's needs and motivations, so the the traditional model didn't work uh, that well anymore. So there there was a need for new organizational structures to do I get that right Would you well the the well there's always a dialectic going on so uh, it's like if you look at graves model it also has this um pendulum swing and it always you know the the development of consciousness or, or values and the value memes in this um there's always the the tension creative tension between uh the exteriors and and the interiors uh of and the exterior conditions, the life conditions. So uh, to say that we need now a teal uh, organizational structure in some contexts uh, means that um, the, pre the previous structures have been very successful in creating new conditions that will propel us into the, the need to have this change. Uh, meaning um, it's not that orange uh, scientific management was all bad. No, it, it got us here. It got us here into a situation of increasing complexity of, you know, hyper digi uh, digital, uh, digitali digitalization <laughs> um, and, and uh, VUCA world and whatnot. So, um, and the acceleration actually uh, renders the, um, the decision-making structures of traditional organizations um, obsolete. So we just cannot uh, continue our predict and control paradigm. We have to shift to a completely different paradigm where authority is distributed and we don't have these bottlenecks that we, you know, somebody's waiting on somebody's superior's decision you know, and up the chain, but um, instead you have the authority to already act in, uh, in your role. Uh, in the case of holacracy, um, you have clearly, clearly defined roles, yeah, that's what you have roles instead of job description, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the shift is uh, um, it's, it's subtle and profound. Um, well, it seems like these are just fancy ways of job descriptions, but there's there's a huge um, difference between 
traditional job description and a holocratic role description. First of all, uh, the job, classical job description is already outdated once you start working there. Once it rolls off the printer, as Brian Robertson always says, it's kind of outdated. So you put it in your desk drawer and never look at it again <laughs> because it's just not relevant. It doesn't t it's not very instructive to look at it. You actually end up doing totally different stuff. Whereas uh, in holacracy, um, in a... Uh, the role description is action, actual uh, actual um, uh, source of information for you on uh, about what is it concretely expected of you and your role. For example, and for example, um, it contains uh, recurring activities like say you have a. Um, let me let me back up a little. So there's like. Uh, two, three elements that are key for, for these role descriptions. First of all, of course, the name of the role, let's say marketing, you have a marketing role. And the, what's the purpose of that marketing role? The purpose is defined. That's the difference to a job description. You, you don't find the purpose description in, in the job description, uh, in the classical one. The purpose of the role is defined, uh, for example, marketing, um, pollinating the market with our products, whatever. You know, and that's a very vague and broad statement. And the very cool thing in holacracy is that you have the authority to take any action that you think would help to express that purpose. So you, you have the, it grants you authority. And uh, then there you have the uh, accountabilities. The accountabilities are recurring activities that other roles especially would like to count that role on that role for, um, to do on a regular basis, like uh, creating ad campaigns and um, logo design, uh, designing logos and uh, creating press articles, and whatever it is you want that marketing role to do, doing market research, performing market research and recommending actions, whatever. Um, so these are recurring activities that are concrete, that are expressions of singular expressions of the purpose of the role. So it's, it's kind of subcases, um, and um, the the authority structure in in holacracy is actually that's the the revolutionary thing is inverse. What do I mean by that? Um, it's kind of uh, whereas in, in traditional companies you everything is forbidden. Uh, except when it's explicitly allowed. In holacracy, it's the other way around. Everything is allowed, except it's explicitly forbidden. And, you know, and your, your head says, yeah, okay, I, I understand. Uh, and then you start working in a holacratic organization and you, it turns out you don't understand at all. <laughs> your body, your habits, your whole habitual energy does not get it yet that you are in a different environment where uh, you can be your Ferrari, where you can just act whenever you uh, have a, the impulse to act uh, and express uh, something that you find valuable from the perspective of your role. Right. Um, but uh, you think, oh, uh, whom, do, whom do I have to ask for permission to do that? And then, then it dawns upon you, oh no, actually I already have the authority to act. Somebody reminds you, hey, you remember, you don't have to ask me for permission. You can, or you can just go ahead. If it serves your role, your role's purpose, you can do it, unless it violates a, a written rule. And there are two places in holacracy uh, where you find uh, the written rules explicitly written out, uh, um, kind of limitations. 
and one is the the holacracy constitution also a topic worth exploring and um, then the governance so-called governance records of your organization so the governance records are those agreements uh, that the roles need to to effectively do the work together for example the role description I just um, gave an example could be part of the governance record of a circle. So there's a circle which has a marketing role inside. And that role could have had all these descriptions. And, um, you know, it's great when you have, um, when you have all that freedom um, and you can, you can creatively interpret your role and you have the permission via the constitution, the constitution of the rules of the game. Um, to uh, do anything that would serve your role's purpose. And so let me, let me just ask one thing, because one in my notes says, and I don't know why I wrote it here, that holacracy, um, in, in regard of those roles, there's a separation of role and the individual soul. But Role and soul, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but, but the way you're describing it, it seems like it's quite on the contrary that, that you are... You are you have the freedom to self-express even more mm -hmm. in a traditional way and to bring, well, and, and bring your expertise and bring your, your individual, individuality more to the table than in traditional workplaces. Yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it's paradoxically, it's, it's both. It's, you have more freedom and, and also it's not, it doesn't mean you can do what you want. And uh, that's difficult to understand at first, but well, it's, it's simple to understand if you look at uh, every tension, and tension is also an interesting concept that we use a lot in holacracy. There's a lot of slang now here. <laughs> so attention is, is a gap that you sense between what is and what could be. And attention is not interpersonal necessarily. Uh, no, it's not specified. <laughs> right. So it could, be, it could be interpersonal too, but... Um, there, there are only a certain class of tensions that you are allowed to act on in, within the holacratic framework and, and use, the, use the organizational processes for and, and the organizational authority for. And those are uh, organizational tensions. And so that means you can do anything that serves your role, not doesn't mean you can do anything that serves you personally and you would like to do or you fancy doing or anything like that. This is, uh, you always have to be in service of the purpose of the role. And by being in service of the purpose of your role, you're indirectly always uh, in service of the purpose of the organization because right. every role is just a, a fraction of the overall purpose of the organization. Right, so now we're coming back to self-organization because as far as I understand, these roles are not fixed things, but determined by circles or uh, yep. bigger circles or how, how does it work? So uh, every circle is a self-organizing process um, and it's ha it has its own governance process and you can look at it, it kind of writes its own DNA. So the DNA of the, the circle is its governance records and encoded in this DNA uh, are the roles and the accountabilities and the purposes of the sub roles and so on and the uh, so-called domains and there's policies too. These are two uh, uh, other constructs that are quite important. Um, we can go into that maybe later, but the, the, the main 
key thing to know is that every circle at every level has its own governance process and uh, it, it, um, it, its purpose, um, each circle and each role receives from above. So it always comes uh, from above. So the, um, the, let's say this is the top circle of the organization, it has roles and each of these roles could be extended into a circle which in turn can also beget its own sub-circles and so on. It can be uh, extended fractally downward indefinitely if needed. And um, each of these circles or roles, which is the same construct, just you know, looking at it from the outside or from the inside, um, depending on from where you look, it's a circle or a role. From the inside, it's a circle. From the outside, in, this, in the super circle, it's just another role. Um, uh, so each of these has its own purpose, um, which is always linked back to the overall purpose statement of the company, which is a very central uh, statement. It's the identity of the company. Who sets that identity? Of um, that's uh, usually set by the uh, anchor circle. The anchor circle is that circle which doesn't have a super circle. Right. Which is the first circle where, where the kind of the practice is anchored, hence the name. And um, the founders of the organization usually sit in the anchor circle. They usually don't have a um, operational role necessarily, but they set the uh, the organization's purpose and determine who's uh, who's going to be the lead link uh, of the general company circle, the, the kind of first operational circle below that. And that person in, uh, kind of creates uh, the first role drafts and, and looks for role fillers to start the organization. So get, do I get that right? So basically, um, the hierarchical structure, of the traditional hierarchical structure from boss to paper boy, I don't know, the, mm -hmm. the last element of the traditional the base of the pyramid, all that is done away in, in favor of a, 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 a holarchic circle system in a way. Yeah. yeah? So it's replaced. It's uh, the, the similar functions that, that are being re realized in a different way. Um, and it doesn't mean um, the owners get disowned or lose their shares or anything. They, they're still the owners. Um, and there's different constructs actually. So uh, as you may have know, I was part more actively part of a company called Encode, um, uh, which um, tried to go beyond um, or kind of create a, a context in which holacracy can be practiced on uh, in a way that um, even addresses the um, the property structure of the of the whole game because in a normal implementation it's actually it's the the highest level of the company that decides hey we want to organize the work differently but they're still like the owners and they're the kind of the the old decision makers the old power structure in in that sense um uh decides to uh play by new rules and that new rule, the, this new rule system, which is the, the constitution, is being signed. And uh, the sign by signing or ratifying the constitution, it's like uh, in the nation state where uh, the, the monarch hands over power to uh, the public. 
and, and says, okay, I no longer stand above the law. I follow the same laws as all of you do and play by the same rules, but the rule of law. And there's processes that describe how you know, law is being made and how, how um, the legal structure works, you know, the, the tripart structure of judicative, executive, et cetera, legislative. Um, and this is um, similar in holacracy. Um, and there is a, there's a, the, the governance process is where the laws are made. <laughs> and then there's the, the kind of uh, um, constitution. Well, that's, uh, that's the found legal foundation of everything. And um, the um, executive functions, well, that's the authority of the, role, the roles to, um, to actually express the, the authorities granted to them by the constitution, et cetera. So um, they cede their power, the, the, power, the traditional power holders cede their power to this new structure, but they're still the owners. And that also means they can always still pull the plug on holacracy and say, no, okay, actually, no, we de-ratify the constitution we want our power back and we would like to dominate people and we like that. <laughs> we like that better. Um, and that sometimes happens. And uh, well, and then, you know, encode.org, this other company, I, um, the startup that I worked with, they said, no, actually, we, we, we don't want that to happen. So we want to bake it in even deeper into the operational agreements and um, uh, make sure that we have a uh, what we call an association of people that are all purpose aligned around this purpose and actually want to live this way and work this way and right. this way so what what just let me ask because that's a question that is on my mind so what is the net effect basically what is the problem which is solved by this new structure i mean like if you had to give me a two-minute elevator pitch like what oh. <laughs> like what what is it that um that that holacracy accomplish why should people do it or why should people try it well um yeah. there's, there's several several reasons um first of all meetings suck much less <laughs> right uh, then uh of course uh, participation increases because people actually have actually make a difference in the uh in the way the work is being structured they can kind of participate in the uh, governance of the company they can uh, um, process their own work-related tensions more effectively um, there is a greater speed and agility because uh, decision making isn't stuck in some consensus trends or in some you know i have to ask my boss and he has to get back to me and let me get back to you later kind of shit so that doesn't happen anymore do you, do uh, you, do you talk, I mean, like contents trans the same way Terry Patton uses that, like for those assumptions, we, he uses it in a way that we uh, have certain assumptions about our reality, about the society we're living in, and, and these act like a, how do you say, like a blind spot. So. Well, no, I, I actually meant it more in a, in a, um, in a way like um, the tyranny of consensus, like trying to you know, get everybody on board with before a decision is made instead of just making a decision from the authority of your role, which is totally fine in holacracy. Actually, it's a it's a fractally uh, autocratic. It's a fractal auto, uh, distributed autocracy. Is it actually? It's 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 a different way of looking at it, where every role is the CEO of their role and makes executive decisions. But it's just uh, you can't just tell other roles what to do anymore. That's the only difference. So it, it actually 
people get more powerful. There's more power in the organization, in, in the organization not less from the perspective of uh, the, the um, former power holder. It's just that he, he cannot um, uh, uh, tell other people or other role fillers how to do their job anymore the way he could. Uh, so, but I'm coming back to this point. So, so, but in in this confines of this role, the the the, the self actual the potential for self actualization is greater. Yeah, I would say so because you can bring more of your individual purpose into the uh, equation as long as it does uh, serve the organi the uh, the purpose of the organization, and um, that is great because. Yeah, that's kind of unlocking creativity. So you're asking for what's the advantage? Well, that's another one. You unlock creativity because people notice, well, actually, hey, wow, uh, I could actually now, I don't have to ask anybody. I could actually take on this project that I always thought was meaningful and would make sense for my, for my work, for my role. And I don't have to ask the boss and, and, and could just do it. You know, right. out, you can act out of the purpose. Uh, it's not just a, a reactive way. Um, there's also, um, very interestingly, um, a greater degree of accountability um, baked into the system. There are certain operational rules which say, uh, for example, um, if a project falls under the accountabilities or the purpose of your role and it would serve your role, you have to accept it and track it. It doesn't say you have to actually do it right away. It just says, says you have to accept it and you have to track it in your system and give updates about it regularly. What does it mean to track it? <clears throat> to say, well, you, you write it down on your, on your list. You get it out of your head into an objective uh, system somehow, whichever you prefer. Um, but it can't be just subjective. Yeah, yeah, do you do the project? Yeah, yeah, I do that. And then uh, have you done something with the project? Which project? Uh, that doesn't happen anymore in holacracy because uh, you are you have a duty to track, and <clears throat> those duties uh, uh, because in the absence of, of managers you have to uh, rec uh, realize the accountability functions of an organization in a different way. There's not one central person bossing everybody around, but uh, we all we all hold each other accountable for our work, for our output, and we can request um updates and that's a it's another operational rule that you have a rule uh that you have a duty of transparency towards your uh colleagues so if a person asks you um give me could you give me an update about the project i asked you to do then you have to re respond you have to prioritize that even over expressing your work or doing your work you could, it's not that you could say oh uh, i was busy i couldn't answer you because uh, I was actually executing my work because no, there's a rule and your colleague could point to that in the constitution and say, look, you got to answer me first and you have to, that is by law <laughs> more important than to, than the execution of your work because it takes you like five minutes. It takes you five minutes to answer that email. You know, you don't, that would be don't a dump. if that happens. Yeah, that would be attention. And right. the cool thing is the whole thing is tension driven and that's the, the most, um, genius thing about it uh in a way because um because tensions is what um all living systems process in one way or another mm -hmm. so um for example you know i just took a breath 
you know, that's, that's, that's my self-organizing system processing attention, namely uh, I need oxygen. Uh, I breathe in and then breathing in, well, it puts me in another, uh, it's good to breathe in, but at a certain point you have to breathe out again because otherwise you create, it creates tension. <laughs> mm. And somehow we are always dancing in this balance of, of, of dynamic tensions. And that's also why tensions are a good thing in, in a way in, in holacracy, they're not a bad thing, um, definitely not, because the tensionless state per se is death. Um, we don't want that for organizations. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's an interesting point that you're making because um, Taleb, you know that Taleb. guy who wrote about the black swan? Anti-fragility. Exactly. So that's the question. Do you have, uh, no, do you have or are there, uh, data, is there data um, if like, a, like an organization run with holacracy is more resilient or even better anti-fragile in the long run than say traditional companies because that's what you basically want you know because i've yeah. read somewhere that i think the the medium lifespan of a of a of a business is i don't know three to five years that's the, the medium and so and what you want is that that it doesn't as it not only gets more resilient but it's actually get, getting anti-fragile that means yeah it get, thrives on that. Yes, <laughs> with tension. Yeah, and that's why the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's being yeah. It's, so if the system is being stressed, it builds more resources, like a muscle. Kind of you know, if you stress right. it, then it's kind of it doesn't. It, will, it may break down for a while, but it kind of comes back stronger. That's what you want, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have data like 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 studies on that, like saying look, um, and it's also not so easy to get because um, you would have to. How would you how would you prove that, right? Because once this, uh, a company adopts holacracy, you don't know how it would have turned out without it anymore. So it's like, hmm, well, um, hard to tell. You could also, yeah, uh, could be all kinds of factors playing into the equation uh, from this point. Uh, why are you successful now? Well, is it because of holacracy or because the market has changed in your favor or whatever? It's hard to teach to parse that out. And, no, but it yeah. could be that, that there's like a, a, a company in crisis with the, with the prospect of going down in the next two years and say, well, no, let's, let's, as a last resort, try, let's try holacracy. And then there's, <laughs> then they're thriving or something like that. Oh, and that's actually the kind of the worst conditions under which I would um, kind of uh, do an implementation, like from really? this perspective of, oh, that's our last straw. Let's try this. <laughs> no, you will probably totally crash and fail and burn because that? um yeah is my is my my assumption because under operational stress which is then the case and uh you aren't uh usually not in the mode of explore exploration you don't have uh, the patience to learn something completely new that totally overhauls your habits because habits is what we return to when we're under stress and uh you know yeah yeah, yeah whatever new work shit uh, let's <laughs> let's do things like we did them, I mean, you know, all these fancy meeting methods and jargon. Let's throw this out again because, you know, uh, we're under pressure economically. That's the first thing that goes. So uh, actually in the context where I'm working now, those companies, they're doing very well from this position of strength. They decided let's do this because that's the future. That's an investment in the future. And that's actually the best uh, conditions under which you should uh, implement. Why? Okay. Why? Why? Um, 
leading leading to another question: Why um, does a, a firm like that in, in, in which you're working as a coach, like mm -hmm. why? Because they're, they're thriving, they're they're acting from a position of strength, and and from and you you might correct me, mm -hmm. I might be wrong from 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 the structure and, and from the pictures. They seem quite modern and quite well adjusted to that kind of environment. So why does a, a firm like that wants to to implement holacracy in the first place? Mm -hmm. And and um, when they do, how long does it take to to go through this process? Mm -hmm. Okay, so these are two questions. The first one, uh, why would a company like that do that? So first of all, the, a little more context for the listeners. Um, this is a fintech company uh, in, in Germany. It's called Hypoport, um, and it's in the... Um, The stock market, etc. So um, it's a it's a conglomerate or family of I think 16 sub companies with a holding, and uh, the holding also provides central functions for like recruiting services and uh, IT services for um, the subsidiary companies, and um, so this is a tech heavy um, internet based lots of developers um that's a kind of the overall um let's say climate uh, of the whole thing and which means well they already are aware of you know agile method of of um, software development so that's kind of the standard now right. um and uh so the 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 step to to take an agile approach to your organizational structuring is not such a big one and um so the idea also was that um it is or one of the advantages they they uh, think they will get is that um you if you want to hire uh, developers these days it's very hard to get the best talents and um so you have to offer something and you know some companies put uh, put a Uh, kick a football table uh, and they uh, whatever you have there it's um, always a great idea <laughs> it's always a great idea I, I i couldn't agree more and they have all their their little perks and you know this and that and the other and massage and yoga and what whatnot you know and uh, that's great but um you know that's what everybody offers so what's really revolutionary is uh the, the freedom to actually um, express your autonomy at work and do the things that you think are make sense and you know and and give people more authority to co-create um uh, this venture and so to attract more talent basically to attract more talent is one uh to be an attractive employer is one uh motivation the other motivation we already talked about which is uh well look at the uh, the surrounding context the um the times we live in which are highly disruptive and uh, we need to be uh, ready for change for rapid change and uh, we need to be able to respond quickly and effectively to change and all this requires that we uh, or, or let's say a decentralized way of dealing with change is a much more robust and um, anti-fragile if you will um, because um, 
yeah, you, you don't get stuck in, uh, in the hierarchy uh, and, uh, of, um, of decision-making, you know, waiting for some answer from somebody, et cetera. So you don't have these bottlenecks anymore. You can, there's always a way to process attention and holacracy. It's always clear what is to do uh, in a way. Um, so that you can always try three, two or three pathways uh, for any given problem in holacracy. And uh, you, you get better at it uh, over time. So um, in a way, it's a, um, it's a, um, yeah, it, it's a way to deal with the complexity and, and uh, it's an investment into the future uh, in the way that well, this is probably also the last change project that you're going to have to do. Meaning, uh, usually companies, you have like every two or three years, you have to redraw the organizational silos a little and uh, you know, look at the whole structure again and the board sits down and hires expensive consulting firms and they, they do whatever, all kinds of, uh, they, they do their, their little magic and <laughs> do their, their little tricks. And then uh, they present the structure and then people kind of swallow it, but it doesn't quite work and uh, it's, a, it's a hassle. And whereas with Holacracy, you have that big change once and then uh, from then on, you only have uh, iterative continual change every month uh, every two weeks, there's a governance meeting in every circle and you iteratively in small steps mutate and evolve the structure of the company based on actual real tensions and not some figments of some, some consultants, what should be and la la la. So it's, so it's all it be, based and rooted and anchored in actual tensions. Would it be like a fair description to say that, the, that one of the major um, advantages is that it's, that, that the whole model is going in the process-oriented uh, modi operandi, modus operandi, instead of being like fixed on a structure which has to be like you just elaborated, like restructured, like every other, every yeah. other. Uh, yeah, it's totally process-oriented. Uh, so the and then the constitution is the uh, description of how this process it's uh, is being is being conducted in every circle and. Let's look at maybe uh, governance meetings and what happens there, which is highly interesting for um, integral practitioners <laughs> like us, um, because w what we actually see there is uh, a transcendence of this war of perspectives. So kind of the war on a subtle level will end in holacracy. There's, there's no longer a, um, a, um, a confrontational kind of me against you uh, but there's always a, a resolution uh, or an integration of perspectives, which actually moves us a step uh, further. And um, so the way it works is you have um, this process in which everybody can make a proposal. Every part uh, um, participant or circle member can bring proposals for what to change the, the, the way work around the way things work around here. Like, Okay, who should be accountable for what? Let's say you have attention, nobody brings out the trash in the office. It, you know, the, the, the trash bins are always full and it's kind of disturbing getting, away the, getting in the way of the work. So you say, you define a role, office supply or office uh, manager, whatever. 
and the accountable accountable for emptying the trash buckets and providing whatever uh, office materials. And then from then on, that role is created. And the interesting thing, uh, well, first of all, there's a process before that. So that's a proposal, let's say. The tension is, it start, always starts with the tension. So the tension is, oh, the, the, there's too much trash on the floor. Okay, the proposal is let's create this role so we know who's accountable, who we can go to and ask uh, to act, who we can expect to act on this. And is then- a, Wait, is there a role called uh, uh, tension observer? Yeah, everybody has that role. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, right. So uh, everybody, it's everybody, it's actually in the constitution. It's a, it's a duty of every circle member, every role filler uh, has the duty of processing tensions that would serve their role. Um, so that means it's not that only that you can process tensions. It's actually, you have a duty to, <laughs> that's what's expected of you as a good, um, uh, holacratic citizen is to not swallow down your tensions and not ignore what, not kind of complain about things but hey uh, there's no more there's no more hiding you can't hide anymore because uh well if, if you complain about something then your colleague asks you have you tried to bring this to a meeting and process it there and you say no they say well go ahead and do it stop bitching because and there's no victims in holacracy anymore because there's also there's no perpetrators anymore there's no right. perpetrators no victims the whole drama triangle and there's no saviors the whole drama triangle collapses because everybody has the has a opportunity to process their tensions. If they don't do it, that's an individual thing. That's their own thing. And that's the kind of the mirror, the, the harsh mirror that Holacracy holds up to you and you look into it and it's not pretty. And you hmm, that spurs growth. That spurs Yeah, yeah. This this is something I, I wanted to address because like we, we were talking like the majority of, of the hour now from from the say evolutionary's perspective on businesses you know like how holacracy developed and what it what it entails mm. but you know, on the other side it has to um, um, provoke some development on on the individual side you know totally. because because it has to you know because I, i think a lot of people have the problem to um face tension and 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 yep. on the table totally and and stuff like that and and so, and so there's this re recursive process where the people who engage in that process also engage in the personal development so to say yep it's uh you cannot um fully separate it even though we say um um differentiate role and soul uh that, that doesn't mean rip it apart because we still know uh that every person who who fills the role also has the soul um, and as a human being has a personal tensions. So the way you lo we look at it is um, actually um, Holacracy helps you is an organizational operating system, which helps you to process your organizational tensions. Everything you feel in role, you can process and resolve ultimately. And then there's a class of tensions, which is not purely organizational. It's personal. Like, oh, uh, actually I know what, Uh, I would have to do like make a proposal to change things, but actually I don't want to, or I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to, and I don't know, I'm, I'm insecure and, and, and all that stuff. And well, that stuff, I'm sorry, holacracy doesn't help you there. Um, companies practicing holacracy should not leave people alone with those tensions. 
and should offer kind of forums and support for personal tensions and interpersonal tensions. But uh, per se, Holacracy is mute on that and says, not, not the business of the organization. That's your personal business. And please, um, you know, be a good rule filler and process your attention. But what, what do you do? Like when, when, when you have a big company, you know, and, and so you want to implement holacracy and there's one department, you know, who, who just say, uh, where the majority of people say, um, well, no, actually, we don't want to face tensions and we like the old way and uh, we don't, actually, we don't want that. You know, what, what do you do if there's a tiny sub um, system or department who, who is... Well, uh, well that, that kind of, uh, that happens, certainly. Uh, cer it's not everybody's kind of um, uh, happy, I guess, uh, that we, we implemented this and, and, and these five companies. And Because you have to have like a stage of consciousness itself to be open for that, you know, for that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, to, to want it, but not necessarily to play along with it. Because right. you would simply have to be able to follow rules to be a good holacracy citizen. Actually, funnily, interestingly, m most times those who are less sophisticated are better holacratic citizens. Right. <laughs> And those on the post-conventional end, they come up with all kinds of excuses and try to... Uh, uh, kind of distort the rules or, um, you know, find workarounds and all kinds of shit because they are more clever than the law, so to speak. It's like, it's like, and there's a hubris in that. And the hubris is I'm, I'm, I'm smarter than evolution. Right. You see, uh, holacracy is a, uh, it's a product of evolution. It's, it's a product of experimentation uh, kind of experimentation and adaptation so his rules reflect evolutionary truth and that it's like the uh the, the grundgesetz in german the the constitution in, in germany uh there's like blood sweat tears all kinds of generations uh, world wars you know all that is kind of baked it, that that's kind of in there experientially right. and you don't change that just by you know a simple majority vote you have to to have a two-third uh, majority yeah, but what, what do you do in, in a case like that when one department just says no it's not it's not our thing no it's not a thing uh, well um uh, during the implementation you usually uh, uh continue with the other uh um branches of the organization that are ready to move forward so you just leave them alone for now And uh, just uh, wait until they're kind of the only island within the organization that doesn't want to play long. And at which point they, they feel the mounting pressure of, hey, everything, everybody around us is organized this way. It's kind of inevitable that it's, it's not going away. And it's just a question of when, not the question of if. They, they'll notice. And then, yeah, there's uh, maybe people that are just are just not up for it. They felt cozy in the old structure where they could hide, where it was not very transparent, what they were doing all day, where they didn't have to give transparency into their actions, where they, uh, they weren't expected to be um, proactive, et cetera, et cetera, who were who just, you know, collecting their paycheck. And this, you know, weren't maybe not contributing much to the uh, value of the organization, but you know, if they, those people leave, <laughs> you know, it's actually a, a, a benefit for the organization, if you ask me. So it's at a certain point, it becomes a self-selection 
selecting mechanism those people opt out that just can't bear it and can't take it right. and i think that those are not necessarily the best people right so uh, go, 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 going back to the initial question so i i, I assume the process how long it takes to implement it depends obviously on the on the scope on the on the how big the firm is basically yeah that that is one aspect <clears throat> and um well and the other aspect is of course what kind of um acceptance level of course and and openness level and of course also level of personality development uh, is involved um and what are we talking about so Uh, that could vary very much and uh, hence there could be more or le less problems along the way but it's uh, it's not so clear to me that it's um, you can, there's not a one-on-one -on -one relationship between you know this is going to be successful given those kinds of people or the atmosphere I think uh, like really what I said before that uh, if the, there's operational pressures or financial pressures on the company And uh, it's an unsafe environment, uh, psychologically, financially, you know, if you have to fear for your job and, and, and all that, I think that th those conditions are much more relevant uh, and uh, lead to uh, failure um, uh, and uh, are better predictors for failure. And um, in terms of how long, well, um, holacracy is actually not a theory, it's, it's actually a practice. And like any good practice, it means uh, you can always get better. And you're never really done, and that um, doesn't sound so um, uh, encouraging at first. But in the end, it's um, uh, well. There, there's a, certainly there's a point where you where you can say that now we have a, achieved a level of self um, sustenance, and we don't have to um, kind of do shadow the meetings to see if the processes are being. Um, executed the way they are supposed to, or if nobody's, if anybody's cheating or something like that. Um, and uh, that usually uh, anywhere between six months and three years. Right. And, um, but the action, and even the companies that are, uh, that are beyond this point still say, yeah, we run with Holacracy for three, four, five years now, but actually we feel like the, <laughs> It's like a horizon. The, the more you walk uh, up to it, it, it kind of is receding and you see more and more of what you, you can do and how, how more, it's a whole continent. The, this whole holacracy is 10 years old. We are uh, um, roughly, no, actually it's more like 13, so 2006, yeah, 13 years, I would say. It's, um, and, and before it was um, pioneered before, but before it kind of, Uh, launched with Holacracy One as an official syst package system. Um, it was uh, maybe it's maybe 20 years around at most. But um, the whole kind of okay, what can you do with it, and wh what kind of the thing is now um, Holacracy doesn't define everything, and that's on purpose because um, you know stuff like hiring, firing, performance review. Um, how do you? Um, Yeah, how do you deal with people? Uh, all kinds of questions Holacracy doesn't answer, but instead gives you um, a way of answering those questions. And the way of answering is, okay, try things out, create governance, and those successful governance applications that you have found, you can actually share with other companies and say, look, this is a pattern, 
create this role and create this accountability and create this purpose. And then you, you create this um, policy and this domain and then, and then you do this and that, and that's the process. Try this for hiring, try this for firing. And then you can actually uh, um, share knowledge with other companies, which is so cool, by sharing what's called governance apps, and which is actually just a, a short snippet of code of stuff that worked in your organization. All right, interesting. So you have a you have an app store. We have an app store. <laughs> actually, we have an internal app store now in our um, uh, company network, um, where we share um, patterns that worked in one company and transfer them as, as governance code and others can just simply uh, propose that governance. That is a metaphor or do you actually have some, some paper? Uh, how, how, it's like, it's, it's a paper which describes well, the, well, the, the code is basically just the role description. Let's say you, you have a role that does the hiring process and you, you have a very good description of this role and, and how it works and, and under which conditions it does what, et cetera, et cetera. And you have a, policy that kind of limits it so it doesn't abuse and blah 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 you have good feedback processes all, all that can be kind of encoded and written down into a simple whatever a word document right and then you copy and paste it and then you hand that send that over to the other company and they say hey that's a good pattern let's let's try this and then they they implement it and then they maybe they they try it and they they vary the code and they say hey yeah this is that good, sounds like a meme that is, that is totally, and then and they vary like, oh, the third accountability didn't work for us, so we replaced this word with that, and hey, we updated this, this app, and here's a version 2.0, uh, try this. So, so the, the comp there are companies uh, which run with Holacracy, which are not connected except by this uh, exchange of, of code. Is yeah. it? There's actually, um, there's actually the, the code, uh, the, there's a, the community of practice of holacracy practitioners. There they share, they share codes. We recently shared uh, an app that we developed for handling people process, people related processes that um, actually I talked to, to, to two other companies last week that were interested in this app. And um, I, I just sent them over the, the, the code and they say, here, you just go and try it and, and let us know how it went. And then maybe we can adapt your learnings later <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm getting stuck with the work word, um, word app because uh, i mean application yeah no 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 no. I, I know what it means but would it wouldn't it be like the next te technological step to create like an actual app where all the firms who run with holacracies like upload certain memes or certain codes yeah, so everyone who has like the thing. It's actually it's actually a neat feature for there's a there's a there's many software products now uh, supporting holacracy practice. Uh, one is um, it's called Glassrock, which is the um, product that holacracy one uh, developed and um, to support holacracy practice. And then there's also the competitor. It's called um, Hola Spirit, and then there's others, uh, minor ones. Um, so that already exists? They exist. So what you can do there is you capture the governance code and then it spits out this whole hierarchy and you can drill down to every circle, see who, who's the role filler, uh, what is expected of whom. So you have a, and, and one, once you, it also supports the meetings. So when you have, you're done with your governance meetings, it updates the, the company structure like in real time so uh, the authorities shift and, and the kind of the accountabilities are adapted like, um, and 
everybody gets a notification by email afterwards and then you know everybody knows exactly what to expect now and yeah and i was just thinking of you know some kind of and the interesting thing in those interfaces software interfaces you can um you can store your tensions uh, you can store tensions with proposals so you actually can already uh, save governance code that you want to propose for your next meeting and then import that uh, once the meeting begins the uh, the, the next the feature you just uh, kind of made up which is, is a great feature I think is to well actually how, how about sharing those proposals with somebody else who could actually just click the button and import that code uh, to make it a proposal in their company and uh, to 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 have that real app store I mean, what, well, that's what neat. What do you think about the large-scale consequences of, say, a sufficient majority or sufficient number of companies would run uh, with holacracy? So yeah, that's the, uh, I, yeah. I love that question uh, because um, you know I I ran into holacracy two thousand six uh, and uh, I mean, wouldn't that change our way we do business and and stuff? Because like mm -hmm. because yeah. like if you have apps totally. like you 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 are cooperating. On a certain level, yeah, yeah, totally. No, let me, let me, let me, let me just, just. Uh, I was just going to tell you about. This. So, uh, I, I ran into Holacracy 2006 uh, when I was volunteering at the Intro Institute. I met uh, Brian and uh, Robinson and Tom Thomason back then. We just founded Holacracy One and were presenting Holacracy to the Intro Institute because they were curious about it. And before that, they sent around a text that was an interview with, Holac uh, with uh, the Holacity founder, um, Brian Robertson. And there he um, sketched the vision of a, well, trans-organizational meshwork uh, of companies that actually could outgrow and obsolete, uh, well, national structures, all kinds of structures. Because, uh, yeah, it would at, at a certain point become a, get its own dynamic because it would be very beneficial to be part of this network. And um, for example, so uh, there's a, this, this concept of a cross link. So uh, every circle in Holacracy usually is connected with two via two uh, links. So one is a lead link and a rep link, which channel uh, tensions upwards and downwards the holarchy of the company. But um, it usually ends at the anchor circle, uh, the highest circle. Um, but uh, you could uh, uh, invite what's called a cross-link from other contexts outside of the organization to represent the, uh, the environment of the organization within the organization to uh, actually channel the tensions of the environment into the organization. Whoa. That is actually pretty awesome. And with Holacracy, you can formalize the whole thing. It's not just a kind of a voluntary, okay, we invite you guys because we're we're kind, but you can actually make it very binding because you, you can give them a formal role and you grant them authority to impact your governance and your purpose and, and all kinds of things. So you can grow a meta meshwork of organizations, let's say first in a geographic region or a certain uh, branch of industry that kind of, you know, two or three holocratic organizations start this network uh, around, let's say, whatever, uh, programming and so on, or, um, yeah, uh, any kind of thing, actually. So, um, and since holacracy is not just, uh, it's also has been successfully tried in governmental context, it could also be like, 
you know, you, you municipality uh, running with holacracy and you, it's interlinking with the economic players in the region and they all have their circles that kind of cross cut and uh, built this meshwork of um, holarchical inclusion, which serves greater and greater purposes until at the end, guess what? You will uh, grow up to the global, <laughs> global level. You know, if you think it to the end, you would have to, you would have a decentralized governed kind of meshwork of um, organizations that would uh, encompass uh, the whole globe and, and you know, there would be no central uh, kind of um, unit that makes all decisions, but instead there would be a fractal, you know, requisite structure created by processing tensions. Um, and I think that's a much better prospect for the future than, um, than the current kind of nation state government, which is clunky and out of, out of. No, no, I, I, exactly. I want, I just wanted to, to add that because what, what it reminds me of is, is simple because like simple does that or tries to do that on a, on a political level. Yeah. Simple simultaneous policy campaign, uh, is kind of trying to also transcend the, the nation, the nation state. And, um, I think it's processing tensions, you know, and trying yeah. to integrate yeah. the, the environment which is creating by the other um, other states, and to 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 um, adjust um, on a on a cooperative level. Um, shit, now my English is I'm, I'm losing my English now. But you get uh, you 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 know what I'm getting at. Yeah. So it's it's certainly uh, I, I also. You know, I invited uh, John Bunzel back then to to join uh, Holacracy introductory workshop, which he did in Bremen back then. Oh, really? <laughs> so they, they, the two of them know each other. They're aware of each other. Uh, so Brian and, and John know each other. And yeah, I, I would I would li love to see some kind of well, I, I could imagine simple the simple organization itself needs that's work that needs to be organized some way, and I would think. Can't, couldn't think of any better method of organizing the work of, um, of that organization. But we have to be careful a little because um, holacracy is made for organizations. That means um, it's, not, it's not a governing people. It's not governance. No, but the underlying paradigm, so you could say, is quite similar. Well, if you think of, grow, um, well, is, is it similar? I would say it, it stems from the same level of systemic uh, cognition and um, perceiving meta patterns, etc. So I think it's both a uh, product of integral awareness or integral consciousness. Sure. Seeing. So, um, and both could, it is a way of saying you don't have to be integral to to contribute here, <laughs> so you don't have to be. No, but it, they, they both uh, integrate uh, attentions, and they both um, create cooperation on the higher level. Yeah, that's that's exactly what. Um, and and they're enforcing a new kind of well citizenship. You you uh, said uh, the holo uh, holocratic citizen and and what. Jabonsa said, was, yeah, that, "That was more metaphoric." <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, like some all the metaphors they come from some place, you know. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I, th I really think that there could be some place for a holarchy of uh, governmental functions, or, well, um, some way of the system to self-regulate. And um, the problem is currently we we are able in companies to externalize 
our um, our damage that we're doing. It's not being fed back into the system. There's no feedback loop there. There's a link is missing. The the cross link from the environment that sits on the board of the of the oil producing company, whatever, uh, saying, "Hey, wait a minute, you're ruining this and that. You're ruining that. Um, uh, could you, you know, mitigate your damage or stop operations or shift to a different?" energy producing paradigm altogether or shut down operations, <laughs> um, you know, whatever is in, so that that's the problem of, of companies today. They, they are, um, they are, they don't have a higher authority or a higher purpose to respond to. They don't have a higher, they have nothing to serve. They serve only um, uh, the, the shareholder purposes. And that's, that's the lowest level common denominator, which is just egotistic, uh, you know, uh, self. It's, you know, that's why also um, in holocratic organizations, actually the, uh, the purpose is never uh, just making money. It's a, it's a, it's a, it sucks as a purpose. It's really bad. Somebody because, has to, to... But it, the purpose is, a, is always, uh, the, the profit is always just a means to an end and not the other way around. It's, it's always just serving the purpose. So making money is good and so far as we can further the purpose of the organization. It's not, you know, it's like, you know, oxygen. You need oxygen, but the purpose of life is not to breathe. But without breathing, it would be hard, of course. Yeah, sure. Uh, but um, it's not, that's not the purpose. Somebody should make like uh, Elon Musk familiar with holacracy, but he, because he is like one of those idols who runs on idealism and, and well, the, the, he's but he's also a heroic leader, and that's actually a paradigm we holacracy does challenge and, and overcome. So it's not about being the heroic leader anymore. This is about uh, serving the purpose, and, okay. uh, and uh, so the purpose is the boss not Elon Musk in this yeah. sense. And yeah, I think he, he would, he might find um, uh, ideas uh, appealing or interesting about it, but uh, I doubt his ego could be, he, he would let go of this, uh, his role of heroic something, you know, entrepreneur, savior and saves everybody and so on. So it's, it's, there's something too, uh, too personal about it uh, as, as I see it. But yeah, I, you know, I'm sure if he wants to give me a call, I'm sure. <laughs> I was sure talk. <laughs> let me let me ask what, um, one 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 more thing um, that was um, something we didn't elaborate uh, deeply. So now you're working with with Hyperport, and you said something like that there are like thousand five hundred people working 600, there. Six hundred, actually. Yeah. So, and you know, uh, for how long um, did you? work there as as a as a coach to implement mm -hmm. um holacracy and, and at what stage are you now is it like you you mentioned self-sustenance where the system is like kind of implemented that's my mm -hmm. understanding of it um or or is it not already implemented or are you are you in that stage where the what did you say the horizon widens and you see the whole uh, continent yeah, yeah. at what stage are you Not yet, <laughs> unfortunately. I, um, except uh, like maybe a few individuals who are already starting to ask those questions. What about this and that? What about that? And we could do this and that. But um, by and large, so we've been, it, the whole experiment goes for, I think, two years now. And that's, or two and a half. And I joined one and a half years before that. So first half year I was there as a, external coach then i um 
signed an employment contract and became an internal coach <clears throat> and um, working with the team to um, spread the practice and, and build the foundations to, to do that. And so, uh, and, you know, if you ask me, where are they? Well, then you would have to specify which company do you mean? Because it's like five or six. And then, um, and depending on when they started, it's a different story for each of them. But um, the, there's this um, company. But you have to take on the whole system approach. So the, 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 whole, the whole company. And so how, how many percent of the whole thing? Because it's a conglomerate. I, I yeah, 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 yeah. No, we take uh, we take it's like uh, eating an elephant. Like you take one bite at a time, and um, so we uh, started with uh, parallel implementations with like three companies, uh, and now it's like up to five currently. And the sixth one is already knocking on our doors, and wanting to move forward. Yeah. Um, and so that's. Already, I think last time I checked was around 700, 800 people uh, already uh, enrolled, like literally enrolled, having a role <laughs> in one of these holarchies that we, we built there. Um, yeah, so there are different speeds, um, but, uh, and also not, to not, not necessarily always totally fully uh, constituted and all like at the, and still kind of there, there are units that are not yet running with Holacracy, which um, is was still in the making in the moment. They're still, uh, so we're, we're, we're tackling it already. Um, yeah, but it's um, already, I would say, uh, there's all, the, the practice is going well as far as I can tell. <clears throat> and um we did, I think, uh, we had like 20 uh, or 19, I think, 19 internal practitioner trainings so far, which means three-day intensive trainings to get people up to speed in terms of, okay, if they would have to facilitate a meeting uh, according to the holacracy processes, uh, they would be able to step up and do it. And um, which relieves us of having to do it <laughs> for like 80 circles or whatever, how many we are have, having now, which would be impossible anyway. So our strategy is uh, let them uh, do it, them, you know, enable them, teach them how to fish instead of bringing them fish and let them fail and let them, you know, come back to us and say, hey, it didn't work. How does it work? You know, let's let's create tensions for them and, and throw them into the cold water and so to speak and let them try to swim by themselves after of course having you know having had a course on how to swim um, <clears throat> so that's the the approach and so far um, yeah there's like 200 facilitators we've educated this way and they are all over those organizations and we uh, we we our goal is to have like two trained people per circle so that you have a redundancy in a system so it can self-correct so that something that one person sees and knows it's wrong can point out to the other person and and say hey uh let's let's check back and you know that that looks wrong let's check back with the coaches and and this is now starting to happen slowly more and more and in the beginning not so much that we didn't get too many questions which was a little troubling because we thought hey there should be more questions people should you know really want to know we don't think they're already 
like perfect <laughs> they, that they they know uh, all these situations that they encounter and and they should be asking much more and now that now it's starting i have a sense that uh, lately um there's more people coming in and asking which is a really good sign because it means they they take the practice serious and they want to get better at it and they want to learn it and uh now we we do have people turning up on our courses who said yeah um you know actually i didn't want to I wasn't so much into it, but now since it's coming anyway, and and the other people person said something in a meeting which I didn't understand, and then now I want to learn it too. And that's exactly the the pool that we want. So we were always working with the pool. So so, so what's your prognosis? How long will it take to <laughs> like to eat the elephant? <clears throat> to eat the elephant, the whole um, the whole thing. I don't know, maybe maybe five more years to till right. till that is done. And then still, it's there's always new people coming in. So you would have to, we would have to set up the whole, the, all the structures that would make this really a self-sustaining system. Meaning, we have, uh, we're now also thinking of an, an internal coach program so that we kind of multiply ourselves. Um, and so the whole idea is get get as redundant as possible. Let everybody be able to do anything in Holacracy, like the core roles. Everybody can do secretary, everybody can do rep link, everybody can do, and, and, and do uh, um, facilitator. That, that would be the ideal situation, but we're not there yet. And, and there's a long way still ahead of us, but we're doing good. Uh, and I would have thought there would be more resistance, actually. Right. I thought, hmm, well it's a finance company, you know, there's insurance people and bank people, and, you know, worked in banks before. And now we're confronting them with this kind of radical uh, paradigm shattering self-organization, but actually, well, they've already been pretty liberal before and there's a great uh, atmosphere and it's basically people like working there. They are being paid decently and respected by and large so the work atmosphere was good before so conditions were really good before so i think um that is also very also very helpful what what uh what uh, one question i also have is like what what is the minimal size for a company like i mean like um you you have to be bigger than an army of one i think to yeah Yeah, you would have to uh like below three people no really uh, i don't know this it's over, seems overkill unless you know the practice already then why not but um uh, if you have to learn it and you have like three people running around yeah you know, well you can build one circle and fill like 10 roles or something but that's it and you know i'm not sure if that's worth it because you can at this size you can you're fine coordinating uh just you know uh informally um so you know anything you know we're anything three or more i would say we can look into it makes sense uh especially if you're a startup it's it's a it's a cool thing for a startup because it grows it grows with you and the oh, structure, yeah. mm-hmm. structure grows rapidly you have you know new challenges new tensions all the time so you know, you grow anyway and you are really clear on accountabilities from day one because, you know, usually startups grow and everything's informal, everything works really well and it's really fluent and everything. But then above a certain size, like what, 20, 25, 
you know, the Dunbar number and, and <laughs> beyond that, and you have to introduce management and then things get, you know, ugly and messy. And, yeah. And, 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 uh, yeah, because things are getting messy, people introduce management and layers and hierarchies and so on. And then, you know, it's usually the default is the command and control hierarchy that we know. And the, 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 the great gift that Locacy brings to the world is that is no longer the necessary default structure. We have yeah. a choice now. We have a choice now. That's, that's, that's the point. And I, I, I wanted to repeat that because I, I said this in the beginning um, before the podcast that what, what I really like about this is that, that it's like um, integral or teal in action. You know, it's not just, you know, what color, what stage is what. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, no, it's like, it's like actually, you know, the work, it's actually the work. Well, that, you know... <clears throat> There's, there's many aspects of it, but one, um, one that I particularly like, as I said, it, it kind of ends the war on a subtle level, um, the war of words. You know, there's many levels at which you can fight wars, like, uh, like concrete and, and uh, like, like literally killing each other. You know, in, in, in civilized societies, you kind of do it on a verbal level. And, um, but now, um, even that, you don't have to argue in that sense, um, you can simply move on with the integrative decision-making process, which is really an integral process per se, which uh, by design achieves what usually takes a very high level of individual development, but achieves it in a collective way just by um, implementing, using this artifact of the constitution, which is encoding the consciousness in these rules. And you, the process that you play through enacts this level of integration through uh, uh, across various actors which is brilliant and genius and and of course spurs um individual development and in turn right because you can see you can solve things without conflict you know right. you don't have to oppose each other all the time you can just look for uh what, what how does daniel schmachenberger call it um um well, not win-win solution but some something that um uh, is actually, um, ah, I, I forgot that he had a really nice term for it. Um, so something that's actually an, an, uh, an extra value, um, from integrating more pers pers perspectives, a multi, multi win solution, any, something like that. <laughs> so, right. so, and that's what, what, uh, what I would expect a true integral structure to do. And that's what Alexi does, does beautifully. Uh, for the organization and you have to say that because um, I have, once again I have to say it's not for a collective of people it's a um, and Holaxi, when an organization also as Holaxi views it is not a collective it's uh, um, it's uh, it's an individual interestingly the, the organization is an individual which has its own purpose which is its own uh, way in the world and and that may develop and its own path and uh, people come in and fill roles and energize it but um, people are not the parts they are par uh, partners of the organization oh that Partner. makes completely sense from, from <clears throat> partners not parts yeah from a systemic and autopoetic view that to exactly view, to view organizations as yeah, and but sometimes people, especially at the green level, we we see the you know we're all part of this family here and this family company, and we're all part of this. Actually, no, uh, that's not you know an organization. You have to be able to differentiate from the people, uh, and that Holaxi loves that. But it also helps you to um, to bring bo 
both back together on a higher level of integration. So once you I mean, that's, out- that's Luhmann, basically. You know, yeah. because Luhmann says uh, social systems are not composed of people. Right, right. But, but, they are composed of communication. Communication, and that's what I would also say. It's, it's the interaction between uh, the, the roles that makes up the... Um, the the structure of the organization that that's the parts of the organization but not the people the people and that's the beautiful thing are liberated to be themselves uh, and show up and roll simultaneously both they can be both and um but they they also can navigate that uh, distinction and can say hey let, can i engage you in role now no sorry i'm i'm out of work i'm not no longer in role here you know and uh that's kind of a it becomes a social convention and then you can, you know, you may have a conflict with the role of somebody else and you totally understand it's a conflict with that your two roles have, but you say, hey, let's have a beer, you know, because it's just, a, it's just work, you know, but uh, we don't need to take it personal anymore. It's right. no longer you are an asshole because you do da da da, but uh, actually, oh, your role has attention because my role does this. And uh, hey, let's, let's look at it and govern the next governance meeting and we will find a way forward and you know, we will integrate your tension and my tension around it. Fine, we're fine. Dennis, yeah. I think um, we talked for 90 minutes now. Yeah. <laughs> I think what we did was like not, not a hierarchical interview, but like a fractal and going through the... <laughs> yeah, through the, zoom in, zoom out and back yeah, and forth. Exactly. And but I like, I like that kind of thing. Yeah, Thank I you. I like that too. It was, a, it was much... It was a Thank Thank you that you took the time for that and and you know I always it's a pleasure for me to talk to you. Me too. And an honor to be on your podcast show sure. which has attracted some high profile guests. Yeah, <laughs> some, some, sometimes the, the the big fish is... the big fish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you many more big fish and uh, <laughs> thank and you. I hope to talk again. Sure. It's on, at some point in the future.